Um, welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Nadia. And this is Ellie. And we have a wonderful repeat guest today. Um, do you want to reintroduce yourself for anyone who hasn't listened to your first episode? Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Rola Silbat or Rola Salbak, and I'm a writer and director. She is A, awesome. And B, I think one of the first guests we had on the podcast, like right when the pandemic hit. So coming back to this now, it's a little bit of like deja vu to early (laughs) pandemic days when we were really still into Tiger King. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even, uh, I barely watched season two. I started episode one. I didn't didn't watch it at all. I think I just, I saturated pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. It was pretty exhausting just even hearing about it. (laughs) You know what I ended up doing? I don't think I told you this, but so last year during COVID uh, for my sister's birthday in August, I ended up getting um, her a cameo message from Carol Baskin for her birthday. Oh my God. Wow. To to cheer her up. Yeah. 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 For like, um, for like, you know, all sorts of celebrities and stuff. Um, You can go on there and you know, choose your celebrity and be like, Hey, yeah. you know, I want to give a birthday message or, whatever. you know, video message, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, so she was on there and I couldn't believe she was on there. And so I got, I got my sister to cheer her up during COVID. I got her um, Carol Baskin birthday message. So. That's amazing. Yeah. It's the real times we live in. Yeah, I guess <laughs> um, we can start there. How's your, how's your pandemic been? Um, honestly, uh, alhamdulillah, like thankful that you know everyone is healthy um alhamdulillah like you know job wise everything was okay so you know what what can you say like those are the important things um uh, other than that uh I got married yeah so so wait wait let's stop on that did you do the wedding in person Yes. So, okay. so it was planned to be, you know, kind of a bigger thing, right? It was supposed yeah. to be in, in August. And, um, and then of course COVID hit. And so uh, we ended up just doing literally a handful of people, like just my siblings and her sibling and her mom and dad, like yes. literally just that. And then just like sandwichat, like on the beach, like local, we didn't even get a permit. We just kind of gunned it. And um <laughs> And oh, yeah, so and we just that's yeah. That's less stressful pandemic or not? Uh, it was a dream. That yeah. was the best. I'm not a big wedding person. My wife is, and uh, and that was just the, a dream for me. Like just to be with people, like core people who you know yeah. who you love, and you know just some sandwiches from Mendocino Farms and the beach. You know what else? Right? What else is there really? So. I'm so I um I'm surprised I haven't gotten invited to Zoom weddings, but I kind of wanted to be invited to one. Just <laughs> oh, I, I did go to some Zoom funerals, but that wasn't oh, really. Oh yeah. my god! Right on, like, my goodness, a Zoom funeral, double yeah. depressing. Yeah. Allah. Damn. Um, but uh, work-wise, what have you been working on lately? Uh, well, also during COVID, um, I shot uh, my short film uh, I, that I wrote and directed called Finjen. Um, that's that. Uh, I've been developing the pilot, yeah, Bint, with uh, 20th Century, um, co-writing with Dina Shahabi, who you might know from uh, Jack Ryan and Altered Carbon and a few other things. 
Um, and yeah, so those are the two main things and then uh, heads down on, on a few other pro projects, but, uh, but those are the two main ones. And um, FinGen is a short film. It's actually, I, I put it out for free um, for anyone who wants to watch since I figure why the hell not. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's about a, a young woman who's at a crossroads in her life and she goes to a FinGen reader uh, to tell her what to do next. So it's kind of a fantastical drama type of a thing, uh, like 12 minutes. Um, we'll, put the, we'll put the link in the episode description, so go check it out. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And um, tell us about your bins. So yeah, Bint is about uh, three Arab women um, who moved to the U.S., so three friends, and they are, for the first time in their life, they're totally independent, and they're exploring the question, um, does freedom equal happiness? And so it's like their, you know, their, their ups or downs, their, you know, their heartbreaks, their successes, so on and so forth. Um, it's about friendship. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, it's, it's about... Um, you know, the most American question of all, um, does, does freedom equal happiness? Do you think it does? Spoiler. I think uh, what, 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 the, what the series um, kind of shows us is that um, it may not necessarily make us happy, but it'll make us be able to know who we truly are. Mm -hmm. um so I think I think and that's even more important probably because you're free you're free to explore yourself you're free to make mistakes whereas when you're in a in a situation that's less free um you know whether it's living with your family or whether it's you know government wise um you make less mistakes because you cannot make mistakes so everything's more prescribed for you um and because of that you you are not able to learn as much. There's always this kind of ceiling about how much you learn about yourself and about the world. And so, um, yeah, that may not be, you know, lead you necessarily to happiness, but it'll lead you to know who you are. So you're allowed to make mistakes, but you're also allowed to choose poorly. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. They're, they're your choices. You live with them now. Right. So you can't blame anyone else. Oh, that's the worst. I need to blame somebody else for everything. Yeah. See, See, that's what I'm saying. That's why you may not be happy about it. <laughs> that, that's the point, right? That's the point for sure. So what's the um, creative process been like for this project? Uh, for the, the script development? Oh, so this is interesting because this is my first foray into studio development. So um, as you may know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, been quite steeped in independent filmmaking. That means that, um, you know, I get to write what I want, right. direct what I want, because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I raise the funds myself, so on and so forth. So this is now different. Um, this is my first foray into um, studio development. And it's definitely different. Um, it's very different in the sense that you now have a lot of people who you are catering to, yeah. um, with a lot of opinions about what audiences will and will not want to see. And this is where, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say other than it's, 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 it's definitely something new for me to navigate. Yeah. Um, well, I guess if you, if you want to go into it more, um, what, what kinds of things were you kind of being given as like parameters or restrictions or things that producers maybe thought audiences oh. would be down for or not so down for? Yeah, um, yeah. Have you been 
told no? Um, it's interesting. It's not that's a good question. When have you been told no? It's not a it's not a question of no or yes. It's a question of you know how much. Best way to say it is that a lot of people think that they know what audiences want to see, yeah. uh, and they feel that they need to give audiences what they want to see. But because of that, that also kind of stifles the artist and the creative process a little bit because now you're trying to run your art through equations and through um, things that have succeeded before middle America and advertising. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's better or worse. Certainly I'm very thankful for the opportunity, but, um, but it does change the creative process quite a bit. So, oh, you know, this needs to be more Arab or less Arab or more Muslim or less Muslim or characters need to be more likable or less likable or more this or less that, right? And so you just literally have these knobs and dials and you keep getting notes back on, you know, oh, this needs even, even to the point, even questions of, you know, should this be an ensemble piece or should this be, you know, kind of centered around one character or so on and so forth. So yeah, so it, on one hand, it's super fun collaborating. There's a lot of fun people that I'm collaborating with. Uh, this is part of uh, Danny Strong Productions, who uh, who originally took this on to develop with us. So uh, the folks at Danny Strong Productions are just phenomenal, just creatively, artistically. You know, they're the ones behind uh, Empire and uh, a few other a few other TV shows. Um, Dope Sick is another one um, that they're behind. So um, so that's been great. But working with you know, within the studio system is something that it's definitely a learning curve for me, for sure, as an independent filmmaker. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, one, it's like, A, it's really exciting. I don't know why I said A in one. I'm just putting like, a, making like a bullet here. I don't know. <laughs> First off, it's really exciting that like, that this kind of work is being developed in like more mainstream studio settings, like whatever you have to jump through to make it happen mm-hmm. to be. I think it's always interesting when people think they know what audiences want, because I don't know if anyone really does. Yeah, they don't. I, I think that they only know what, what succeeded before. And, and that's pretty right. good measure of something, I suppose. But, um, yeah. but you, you, you mentioned any other, any TV show that actually made a splash culturally, you know, in, in people's psyches um, that made an impact. They are usually shows that are unique and that haven't been, you know, there hasn't been, you know, a so on and so forth before. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, but it's also a risk, right? So I understand, yeah. I understand, but I think, I think in general, when, when you see people take risks, I think that's when audiences are most excited, especially right now, because there's just so much content. Yeah. Oh, and I was just saying, there's so much like, non-white queer content coming out these days on like all sorts of media it's like i'm about this and i'm having a hard time keeping up you know yes exactly exactly so so i think the more the more fresh and the more unique your point of view is as a series i think that's what audiences seem to gravitate towards any anyway or that's what I gravitate towards. So that, that, <laughs> that that's well, all. Like I, audience, I don't know. We're all audience members. I think there's like a false yeah. sense of like what mainstream is like mainstream is like exclusively white people sitting in, I don't know where Ohio. Suburbia <laughs> yeah, watching I, Marvel movies. Right. Yeah. And it's um, like, one, I don't know. I don't, again, I'm putting things in lists. I don't know why I'm doing this today. 
um, but we're getting some list listicle content. Um, who says that a white person in Utah can't now they're in Utah instead of Ohio. I don't know. It's all the same. Sorry, people in Utah and Ohio. Um, I don't mean to pick on Utah. Or Ohio. They can like your show. Some Right? Yeah. Sometimes I'm like surprised at who listens to this podcast and enjoys mm. it. And two, that's not even the majority of people watching content. It's not the majority of people in the US. It's not the majority of people worldwide it's literally not average like statistically it's not average yeah yeah, yeah. totally I think I think they're they're just trying to you know get the largest audience share yeah especially for you know like a channel like freeform for instance you know where there's still kind of half like advertising half streamer type of a situation yeah. and so when it comes to like advertising and stuff you know they're still using like Nielsen boxes to measure, you know, who's, who's watching what, I mean, it's so archaic and so prehistoric, by the way, even advertising is, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, uh, you know, having a, a, a digital kind of revolution for sure. But, um, I still remember a few, few years ago when they still cared, you know, they would ask for your gender, um, you know, apps would ask for your gender for advertising. And it's because they are making some really, really lazy assumptions about um, products that they want to sell you and your gender expression or your, your gender. So, um, which is just archaic. And, yeah, you know, like you meant, like you said, it's like, you know, just because, you know, I'm a certain gender doesn't mean that this is a type of show that I would like, or this is the type of product I would like. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking from the digital side of things, like the way advertisement selling sold online, especially through like Google and Facebook is you literally choose to purchase like an audience share. It's like, I want to target, you know, females from 24 to 38 who have shown interest in ethnic things or whatever. <laughs> and you can, and it's as, it can be as broad as like ethnic things or queer rights or Republican. Sure. Or, and you can, and basically you're like, you just, you know, click those boxes and they price you out and say, yeah, we, we can run your ad for this many people and we'll run it for this amount of time. And anytime somebody comes up with this, we'll display it this many times and we'll charge you on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what's course, been targeting? Oh, sorry. I think we're on a little bit of a lag. Go ahead. I mean, that's, it's also like YouTube basically does the same thing with their quote algorithm, you know? If you want to buy advertising, you basically select what kind of channels you want to be on and what those channels audiences are guessed to be. So, mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, even though we're grown beyond like Nielsen boxes and, you know, little, well, no, we haven't. That's my yeah. point. But I, mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like in the online space, in the online like, space. Absolutely. That's why the difference between content on streamers versus content on broadcast channels is way, way different way way different but i was just gonna say that um what's been targeting me the most online is like birthright and like oh my gosh what? yeah i didn't think and it's like a lot of uh, i don't know a lot of my friends too i think i don't know what this strategy is i don't know if it's just like you engage with things relating to the word israel or if it's like specifically targeting people who are like looking at pro-Palestinian stuff to make it look like stuff is just more prominent than it is like there is just a lot of this or if it's trying to convert people I really don't know what their 
angle is or if mm. it's just like sloppy or if it's actually the opposite of sloppy and this is a very yeah. specific strategy it's very it's very hard to know i i worked in tech for a long time and and it, it, it's it's very hard to know i mean for me <laughs> it's it's hilarious because i i engage on a lot of palestinian rights um especially on, on instagram a lot of palestinian rights accounts mm-hmm. uh, and i'm you know i think like like a lot of us who are who are aware of what's happening back there um we're just you know uh, hyper kind of you know watching um what's going on so we make sure we're up to date and for some reason i keep getting targeted weird um islamic kind of videos like when I say weird, I don't mean, oh, just, you know, someone named the Quran. I just mean some weird, weird ass propaganda looking stuff. I'm just like, why do you think this? What, what is it? Like, I don't know if they're baiting me. I'm like, is, is this the CFBI out here? Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, are they trying to see if, I don't know. And then, so um, what I did was I literally binged on uh, cooking, um, cooking accounts for two days so that I could get rid of it all. And I did. Uh, but now all I get is like, you know, cooking, like cooking tith as an auntie's from like, <laughs> nice. from, from the blad, which I'm totally fine with. I'm like, yeah, this, this fits me a bit better. <laughs> I actually had a similar experience. I was getting a whole bunch of weird, like political stuff, trying to provoke me into outrage because Facebook, we know how that is. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm getting really down. So I just watched like a whole bunch of like animal videos. And now I'm just like afraid to do anything on Facebook yeah. because I don't want to lose those animal videos. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. I don't know. It's such a weird, it's all these apps are such a weird game because mm. on one hand it's, it's a way to access people and like media media sometimes does a terrible job of covering things we care about so social media is better than that in some ways and on the other hand we're like wading through this weird system that's like you're gonna get shadow banned Mm. you're gonna get like you have to post thirst traps in between your political Mm. posts so you like get more but not too thirsty thirst traps and it's it's just like this weird I, I don't know I feel like to get anything done, you have to play this weird gimmick game and then you feel like you're just being silly, but that's the only way to do it. And then you're like, never mind, I'm leaving. Yeah, no, it's the struggle. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Yeah. That's for sure. 100%. It's it's not. And, you know, I think the um, I think the other thing is that a lot of folks who who may not work in tech, it, it's almost like a form of gaslighting because it's like, you know, people who may not understand how these you know, quote, quote, algorithms work, they, they, you know, they're always questioning, just like you and I just did, right? We're always just questioning, even though I was in tech for a long time. And even I, even I question, right? It's like, is this real? Is this really happening? Like, why are my numbers down? Is it because of my content? Or is it because of me? Is it because I posted something that, you know, it was flagged? Like, you know, what's the issue there? Because especially those of us that cover like anything like Mina Swana related, at all because like YouTube will demonetize things if you are too controversial. Mm-hmm. And if if you're a medium-sized YouTuber or you're not like audience supported, those advertising bucks going away hurts real fast, real quick. Yes, yes, exactly. It hurts your livelihood. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not making any money off of any of these platforms, but just like as a personal account, I like post literally one thing on my story, a repost about Palestine story goes views go down to like 30 percent but then on the other hand like you said it's gaslighting because you're like 
maybe I'm just not popular. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they just don't like, like, I'm not gonna be like <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know. It feels a little narcissistic to be like, not as many people looked at my story this week. Like that's the most important thing in the world. But it's, 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 I don't know. It's not, it's like not just about any one of us. It is like showing that we're not um, making up these systemic issues. Yeah. Yeah, and then the same thing with like a lot of sex positive content a lot of queer and trans mm. content is getting um actually lately a lot of accounts have just been getting like removed i've been seeing and there's no totally. way to prove that it's because of a certain thing but it it sure seems like it i yeah. mean do we really want to like dive deep into like trying to pick apart uh youtube's uh and other alpha like other search engine algorithmic AI's like criteria and how it changes and how you're given like basically no notice of any of this yeah it's I mean, true it's the no notice do. maybe yeah. do you want to like maybe we should do a whole episode about that at some point <laughs> I, I, I think that actually sounds like a great topic <laughs> okay so coming soon are we i'm not AI kidding episode like no all will, will be about this she yeah she hates robots and she hates ai with a passion and i respect that <laughs> as somebody who works you know, in tech, the, I feel she's validated. Yeah, I think the sad thing is that technology, I mean, as with anything that humans create or humans cultivate, um, there, there was, I think, such potential for good, such potential for um, just, you know, human connectivity, such potential for really, really positive um, uh, outcomes. And again, like, like with most things, like, you know, as humans, we just fuck it up. We fuck it up so, so bad, so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, cause, cause honestly, like if you, if you think of like robots or AI or, or anything like that, like it, it could have been, it could have been something great. Um, but, you know, I think greed always gets in the way, you know, and, and fragile male egos. Yeah. That's, that's, I, do, do that's why we have. Do we, 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 we want to start hating on Zuckerberg? please yeah. no. <laughs> it's not just that it's just in general like who who you know like all I'm saying is that there was such potential I I you know I I remember when the internet first came came out quote unquote as if it was a movie when the internet first came out um I mean it was phenomenal like to be able to like email people get in touch with people um uh, you know, music, movies, it was just an absolute utopia for, you know, a few years, you know, people who were into porn were like, super happy. Like, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, it just democratized everything and made everything so much more accessible. And, and it could have been that way. It could have been that way. But no, but once we had like, big business got involved and started privatizing. Yeah. Things, like, imagine if, like AOL had managed to create a closed ecosystem solely for email and it's stuck to this day. Mm, oh, that's an interesting thought experiment. That's well, a very interesting I mean, thought The experiment. only reason like email works is because we have like these like literal standards set out on how computers are supposed to handle email and relay it if it's not theirs. That's right. Like that's right. We could have had something similar for like a social media network where mm -hmm. Where you could just share like social media addresses and you would get people's content and you wouldn't be locked to Facebook or, yeah. you know, or LinkedIn or whatever. You just post it to whatever you want to use and it would work between everything. Yes, but, yes, yes. But privatization is yes. the devil. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, I think, 
Well, most cases probably that's true. Yeah. You're talking to an all cases group here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be reasonable. I'm trying to think like, hmm, was there some, is there something useful? I don't know. Cater to middle America. You got you to gotta carry the message to middle America. <laughs> Jumping back like five steps on that point where you're saying um, either in this project or basically any any other project you've done where you've gotten feedback that's like make this either like more palatable to a mainstream audience or like make it more Arab, make it more Muslim. Um, What are some specific details or criticisms you've gotten on that front? I mean, yeah, I think just that. I think I think trying to find a balance. I'll give you actually a really maybe adjacent to your question. Okay. I think um, I think the question of how much to explain to the audience is a big question. Yeah. So, example, you know, if there's a scene, if there's a Eid scene, let's say, and you know something's going on, or if there's a I'm, I'm trying to think of, of all the cult, kind of culturally specific things that, you know, right. that friends might talk about or friends might say. And it's, and the question is, oh, people aren't going to understand that. And the question is, how, how much should we explain? So that, that is a big thing, a big, a big, a big note that, that one gets. And for me, my personal opinion as a creative is that I think audiences currently are way more elevated than they used to be. They are used to watching much more content. They're used to watching content from all over the world, all types of content, all types of genres. And I don't think audiences want to be spoon-fed. I really, really feel like they don't. And I feel like almost there's this kind of joy that audiences get in peering into a culture or an ecosystem or you know, a group of people that, that they, that they're not a part of, that they want to know what it's like. You know, I think of even shows like Insecure or even Squid Game, you know, where, where they're showing a subculture and they're really not explaining much Mm -hmm. because that's not, the whole point is not to be explained to. The whole point is to figure it out on your own, to feel it, to um, go look it up maybe later. You you know, this deep lore. Yes, perfectly said. Perfectly said. Exactly. And so, uh, all I was going to say was that that that's 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 definitely a question that comes up a lot: is how much to explain, how much to spoon feed, and 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 my personal opinion is the less spoon feeding, the better. I don't want audiences to be confused, but I want them to be curious because I think that's the most engaged that I am as an audience member, and I think a lot of audiences are, especially nowadays. So yeah, that's kind of my stance on it. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's kind of, like you said, it's it's fun to sometimes watch things and be like, if I didn't get it, it means I wasn't the target audience for that. And maybe I can try to get it. Um, but just to know that there's, um, I don't know, I think like really fun things to watch always have layers that different yes. audiences are getting different things from them. And so long as no one's getting nothing from it, yeah. right? if, it if it's so like, obscure and hard to read that you can watch it and you don't know anything what's going on yes that's an issue but like as long as everybody can take something away from it and take important pieces and then above that maybe you get some more maybe you get some more references maybe you get some more things that are going to resonate more inside jokes whatever I, I think 
that those layers make work richer, whether or not you're the person eating all of those layers, you know? It's like maybe you're just having the first layer of a three like layer cake and you can still appreciate that there's more in it. It, it still feels like. I come from the nerd culture end of this equation. Sure. So I'm like all about that deep lore. It's like, yeah, tell me more about, you know, this Lord of the Rings background stuff. Tell me about that Simularion. Tell me about, you know, that one obscure one-off Marvel Comics thing that showed up as a reference in that background. <laughs> and I think audiences are into that because, you know, like the current media consuming generation has grown up on like mm. Marvel and Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. and Harry Potter and Squid Games and all that, all this good mm -hmm. shit where, mm -hmm. you know, there is layers. You can just go in, you can take the top layer and consume mm. it and totally cool. Or you can be like, that's not what happened in the books, yo. <laughs> that's right that's right you can go as deep as you want to go and 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 yeah and so I yeah I tend to I tend to really think the audiences are way more intelligent than we give them credit for so that's kind of how I come up come at things as a creative is there anything you're working on now for the future that you can talk about yeah no I think I think uh I think that's being heads down on yeah bent and a few other projects are kind of the extent of what I can talk about but but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you a link to Finjan. Um, I also put out Choke, which uh, which is my 2018 film. I put that also out publicly as well. I, I, I put all that out publicly during COVID, essentially, because I thought like, hey, yeah, people are bored. Give maybe people their content. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that one's about a, a rising MMA star who hides her um, Syrian refugee status from her small American town. Thank so you. when should we expect to see Yabint? And, uh, uh man i don't know i don't know yet it's all in development and that's why it's called development hell because you're kind of in this <laughs> hell of going back and forth until until it comes to fruition but but i'll definitely to let you all know and, I, and i'm just as excited as as you all are to to know the answers to those questions so <laughs> i guess can you walk us through what that process i guess this is your first time in the process maybe mm. you don't know all the steps but what what does that process look like from your end from um starting to develop the script when it launches yeah yeah so basically what you do as a creative say you're a writer um let's say you have agent or not an agent but basically okay let's see step one have an idea step two <laughs> Um, you know, write a pitch for that idea and maybe a pilot. So, so this, this idea of, should I write a pilot or should I write a pitch? Um, and pitch treatment is like, they usually call it a pitch Bible for this one. We called it a pitch, um, put on, um, <laughs> for, for obvious reasons, uh, just to be funny. And so basically a pitch, a pitch, uh, treatment, um, is, you know, Hey, what's, what's the show about? Who are these characters? What happens in season one? What might happen in season two and three? Um, what's the tone? Um, you know, why do you think audiences need to see this now? you know, why are you best to tell the story, so on and so forth. So that's a pitch treatment, right? Or a pitch deck or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then pilot is episode one of the show. And so um, when you're embarking on a new show uh, and you want to sell it to someone, um, the, the there's an existential question of, do you put a pitch together or do you actually write the pilot? And it really depends on how high concept it is versus not. Is it something that uh, you're just going to have to read the pilot to know? Or is it <clears throat> more important and interesting to have, to understand holistically what this whole show will be about season over season? So 
Um, we did this as a pitch, me and uh, Dina Shahabi. Um, we pitched it uh, to a bunch of production companies. Danny Strong Productions picked it up. And with them, we developed the actual pitch in the room. So, hey, this is when you go around to Hulu or Netflix or whoever, you're going to sit down and this is what you're going to pitch to them for 20, 20 minutes or whatever. <clears throat> so you develop the pitch with a production company, then you shop it around. And then if someone's interested, then they pick it up and they say like, hey, we're going to pay you um, this certain amount for you to develop what the first episode is going to be like. Go ahead and write the, write the script. So once you write the script, finish episode one, then the decision is, hey, oh, we love it. Green light the whole series. Or decision is, you know, we like it, but let, let's, let's shoot a pilot first. Let's shoot the pilot and see what it's like. Or it could be, you know what, this isn't really what we were thinking. You know, here's your money anyway, but, but thank you. So those are, those are, that, that's kind of how, how it goes. And right now we're in the writing pilot phase. And so that means... Um, you know, that they get like a few drafts contractually. So they can come back, give notes. We give them the draft, like, hey, what do you guys think? Is this what you're thinking? And they're like, oh, we want to change this character, that character, so on and so forth. So, so that's kind of what, what we're in right now. And that process can take months and months and months. And that's affectionately called development hell because you just don't know when you're going to get out of it. But once you're out of it, it's, I hear it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you know when it happens. Just updated on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I have one more question before we kind of wrap it up. Um, so since we're no longer in Tiger King phase of life, um, what have you been watching lately? <laughs> what have I been watching? Oh my, oh my, I, I'm a voracious, voracious, voracious uh, consumer of content. Last season of Insecure, mm -hmm. making me so sad. Succession. My absolute, uh, oh my gosh, I am just obsessed with the writing on that show. I can't even get over it. Like I literally watch each episode at least three times. I listen to like all these like, you know, analysis podcasts on it. I, I think the writing on the show is probably some of the best writing that I've ever, if not the best writing right now, in my opinion. Yeah, so I, th I think those two shows are, are, are kind of my top. And then, yeah, I probably binged a bunch of other of other shows but yeah I, I think those two insecure and, and succession for sure. oh I started sort of uh I started sort of it's funny they're all on HBO what I'm saying um I started so, sort of uh and uh I really like it it's very refreshing um so I can't wait to to continue watching that I should get into that hmm. what are you watching as everyone knows I'm very much nerd type here so I just finished watching watching the live action cowboy bebop which is oh yeah, of course. What did you think about that? Okay, so huge fan of the original. And I felt like they basically completely dropped the ball with Spike's and Vicious's plotline. Mm. Any moment that Vicious was on screen was just like, please stop. But they made um, <laughs> Jet Black way more lovable. I, I liked him, but mm. in the live action, I love him. Mm. He is like, anytime he's being shipped at, it's just like, ah. <laughs> Faye Valentine, I felt, came across as way more interesting mm. than, than the original. Um, she was cool before. I always love those, you know, femme fatales who will stab you in the back every episode. <laughs> Absolutely my type. But this Faye Valentine is a little more introspective, a little more interesting, but no less badass. So I, mm. and Ayn, of course, was adorable. Just mm -hmm. 
love that stupid dog. I am apprehensive of what they're going to do with Radical Edward come season two. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's a good show, but I feel like they've done enough interesting things to differentiate it from the original source material, but they didn't do the source material justice. They are strongest when they're not trying to do like original cowboy bebop stories. I agree. I agree with you. I wonder what One Punch Man is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like probably my favorite anime, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I love it too. But the second season was just a little weak. And if they're going to do a live action, uh, which is I think what you're referring to. Yeah, I am. Yeah, live action. Uh, yeah, I know. I know it's so rough. It's so it, rough. It's like... Because the tone, the tone is so unique and, and fucking special. And I'm just like, oh, on one hand, I'm like, please don't touch it. But on the other, like, like, oh, I guess, like, oh man, and after what it? they did with uh, one's other um show, uh, Mob Psycho, when they did the live action adaptation of that, mm, I didn't see that one. Oh, they did <clears throat> my boy, mm-hmm. it wasn't, mm-hmm. there was nothing redeeming about it. They missed mm-hmm. the point of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, Harley Quinn, fantastic, 10 out of 10, absolute gay joy ride the whole way through. Mm-hmm. It, it brought a lot of queer joy to this queer heart, love it. That's awesome. Nadia? I mean, I've gushed for like a whole five minutes. Nadia, please. <laughs> um, I just finished the third season of Sex Education. Ooh, um, how which um, I, 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 okay, so I can watch it in two ways. One where I'm like very like critical of like all the representation stuff and like two where it's just like a better version of like Glee or Saved by the Bell. Mm. Um, and I'm like slightly doing the more of the like, I don't know, just bubblegum watch of it. Um, but it, it, it's also really cool to see um, something I have like mixed opinions about is like, it, it's cool to see like a racially diverse cast without making, it, it's a little utopic. Like you don't really see a lot of race issues engaged with. And I'm, on one hand, I'm like, that's not real life. But on the other hand, I'm like, eh, it's, it's kind of nice to see people just like having storylines that aren't about like suffering and racism. Yeah. Um, kind of same for like queer storylines, but I feel like there's a little more engagement on that front. Um, so on one hand, I'm like, eh. it's, it's nice to see. I don't know if it's like reflective of life, but I don't know if I care. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially you know, with that show, it may not that may not be the it, point. It's like a little bit like bubblegum <laughs> utopia. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of walking line between bubblegum utopia and then like seriously engaging with like issues about sex positivity. And maybe that's, that's an issue, but I, again, like I don't know that's <laughs> an issue for me. Um, I love some of the characters. I I love Michael. Um, I you know I really want to like Raheem because um, I was like excited that there's like a queer Swana character on there. But then I don't know. I don't think he got enough character development in, mm. in the writing room. So mm. maybe maybe mm. next season he'll get mm. some more there. The actor who plays Cal is someone I. If we can get a hold of them, I'd love to have them on the show because I also <laughs> really like their music. They're Sudanese. Ah. Um, do it. Yeah, do a Saleh is if anyone has a connection. Um, oh, and I wish. Yeah. I wish the, the, the music, the, specifically the hip hop cone out of uh, Sudan, is yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, yeah, that's my most recent binge. I haven't been watching that much TV lately, but that, that was my, my main I, recent binge. I also just saw, um, movies wise, I saw Power of, uh, of the Dog, Jane Campion's new movie on Netflix with Cumberbatch and yeah. 
I love her. I think she's a phenomenal director, dude. I don't even understand. Like, I love her film language. It's just, oh, yeah, I have to rewatch it now. <laughs> it's like I watch movies once and then I watch watch them again without sound so that I could actually just study the frames and stuff. I mean, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's how I do my Now I have to do that. Do you feel See? like, <laughs> I, do you feel like, um, like working in the industry, does it, ruin does it ruin just like watching stuff for you or just make it better or a little bit of both you know a little bit of both I'll tell you something though I will be look I'm gonna tell you straight up I can smell a studio note (laughs) from a mile away now I'm like they got a note they got a note they got a note you know it's like time you're watching let's say something good or engaging or great and anytime you just kind of all of a sudden cringe on you know a line of dialogue like wait that character wouldn't say that or like yeah. you know why what's happening wait what why are they doing that um or i've seen this like a gazillion times why this was going so well what happened studio note <laughs> so that that's my feeling but i am so so sensitive to to that right now i could i could spot it like a mile away i'm like i kind oh, of feel that about watching dance I do feel um I don't feel like watching dance is ruined for me because I'm a dancer or a choreographer I do feel like it's a little ruined because I've been a performance critic mm. and right now I'm trying to like take a break from um writing performance reviews and just like watch things without like formulating any opinion on them I mean I will formulate an opinion on them but like not prioritizing that as my first thing at all and just get back to like visceral gut reactions to things mm-hmm. um because I think critical brain is is just messing things up for me a little bit <laughs> you know like I think I think I'm like losing some connection to mm-hmm. and I don't feel that as a performer I don't feel like I've lost my connection so Good. I fell in love with as a performer but I do feel that as an audience member so mm-hmm. I've been just trying to um mm-hmm. watch things a little more like viscerally I guess is the word mm-hmm. um and then whatever I think later I think later but yeah critical brain is anti-fun yeah there it is critical brain is anti-fun it's That's anti-fun exactly. yeah it's, it is i don't know it, it just needs to chill for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i hear it i hear it but when you're having a conversation or when you feel like when someone's having a conversation with you and there's this idea that they're formulating a response before they even really listen and i feel like writing performance reviews made me watch performances with that headspace like I'm already thinking what I'm gonna say about it before I really take it in just because that's just how it goes like you have to take notes there's such a fast turnaround about Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. and then I miss the part where I'm actually like really absorbed something yes 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 I hear that I hear that for sure and God help you if it's a live performance yeah well it is and it's it's live performances and you have 24 hour deadlines after so you you can't well you really well you really can't afford to enjoy it then it sounds like to be honest with you I mean some people do like some people I think are just more maybe -hmm. they're just more natural at it than I am but for me like (laughs) doing that and just really taking something and enjoying it are are just different Mm -hmm. so I don't know Mm -hmm. taking a break from that for a little bit but it is live performance is different because like like you said with film and tv you can go back and watch it again and like have a first time where you just take it in second time where you're like exactly it's just different territory anyway where can people um follow you and catch up with what you're doing 
Yeah, um, I'm on uh, Instagram uh, at Rolla Selback. And uh, you can also go to www.rollaselback.com if you so choose. A bunch of my work is up on there as well. So um, yeah, I feel like people don't go to websites anymore, even me. But, but it's there. If you say it, <laughs> my stuff is up on Vimeo. I don't know. Just just Google my name. You'll find some stuff. And we'll, we'll put the link to Finjan too. Oh, amazing. amazing. So, and as usual, you can find us if you go to websites on thequeerarabs.com. Um, we're also the Queer Arabs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you want to start an email conversation with us, we're thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. It's It's been an absolute joy to talk with you. It's oh, of course. No, no, no. Absolutely. It's it's. Uh, I love talking to you. So, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, good luck with everything. And uh, thank you for the time. And uh, be safe. Stay warm. You too.